Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Today we conclude our sermon series on surviving the storm. And our foundation passage has been found in Proverbs 10, 25. When the storms of life come, now remember, not if, but when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. You have a lasting foundation. In the first week, we talked about the steps you take today matter. Your daily routines are very important. And then there's an obedience, obedience that builds a strong foundation. There's a, there's a hearing, there's a listening that leads to action. There's a listening that leads to obeying. It's not simply enough to know the word. You have to be doers of the word. It's not enough to be fascinated with the life of Jesus, with the, with the character of Christ, but you've got to be formed to the image of Christ. And then we learn if we have a strong foundation, we're going to survive the storm. Last week, we spoke about trust, talking about trusting God in the midst of the uncertain situations. And we took that word, trust, and we allowed it to build our sermon we talked about taking God at his word and learning to rely upon the process that we are in, taking responsibility for our own growth, taking responsibility for our decisions and receiving a word for ourselves. So often we're waiting for somebody else to speak a word to us when God all the time has a word to speak in your life. We're learning to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and resting upon, uh, resting in the goodness of God. And then we talked about unconditionally surrendering to him on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would submit to you, not only a day-to-day -day basis, but there are seasons in your life where you're learning to surrender moment by moment. Finding a place to serve. Serving God, even when we're walking through a storm, because there's something about the principle of when you serve, when you give, it opens the, opens the windows of heaven and the power and presence of God is poured out upon you. Amen. Seeking God's will above all things. God, what are you doing in my life? Talked about the spirit of God, being, being empowered by the spirit. Don't let the storm send you to a dry place. Allow the storm to fill you up. And then we talked about thankfulness, learning to be thankful in all things. Today, let's turn to Acts 27, and then I want you to hold that place because then we're going to go to the Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to try to melt these two uh, passages together. Today's thought is this, extra weight. Not a good time to look at your neighbor, Amen. You see the person sitting behind them, they tap their, their brother on, on the shoulder in front of them. <laughs> He's talking to you. 
What is the extra weight we need to get rid of in order to survive the storms of life? And let me clarify, I'm not talking and speaking about pounds. When we talk about weight, I'm talking about spiritual matters. What are the things in your life holding you back? What are the weights weighing you down? What baggage do you need to release in your life? What unhealthy relationships do you need to turn loose of? In Acts 27, we pick up in the middle in the middle of a storm as Paul, as a prisoner, is being transferred to Rome. And they're in the middle of a storm. Verse 14, but the weather changed abruptly. You ever had things change in your life suddenly, abruptly? A wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors could, uh, could not turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and they allowed the ship just to run before the gale. Verse 17, the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it, for they were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of, of Sardis off the coast of Africa. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. Following day, even, they took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Hebrews 12, verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and you will not give up. Notice in your notes, the first thing we want to talk about is storms have a refining aspect. Storms have a refining aspect. Last week we concluded with the word uh, trust, and that word was transformation. We talked about how storms tend to take things out. They, they, they tend to remove uh, things that are not healthy. I ask the question, what is God wanting to remove in your life? We believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe in the omniscience of God. We believe that God has allowed the storm to come. Now, what refining influence can the storm have on us? 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Allow me to read it out of the New King James. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice we're being transformed as we're beholding him, as we, as, as we look into the life of Christ and, and, and we, 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 we study the life of Christ, we're beholding him because the veil has been removed, the veil of unbelief. Now we see Jesus for who he is, the son of the living God, and we're becoming more and more like him, being transformed. One writer says, this does not come from, uh, from just imitation, but from spiritual communion with the Lord. It's not enough for you just to imitate him. It's, it's that you are in communion with him. If your imitation is just from outward pressure, then when the difficult times arise, your character will wane. But if your imitation of him comes from communion, spending time with him, then the storm's going to draw you closer to him. It's imperative, church, that we learn to commune with the Lord. And as we behold him, we are changed from glory to glory. Paul told the church of Rome, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. I, I submit to you that God is in the process of changing you into a new person. God's will for you is for you to be transformed into a new person, for you to look like Jesus. Let God transform you into this new person. Which brings us to A, it's a time in our life to evaluate. It's important we ask the question, what behavior do I continue to practice that needs to be changed? What attitude in me is not Christ-like? What is in my life that's not bringing honor and glory to the Father? Lord, let the storm take it out. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. It is best we evaluate ourselves today and ask the Holy Spirit to change us into the image of Christ. But you'll notice in your notes, it's not just enough to evaluate, but then you've got to adjust. See, sometimes we evaluate, but we make no adjustments. Sometimes we evaluate, we gain new knowledge, but we don't do anything with the knowledge. It's imperative that we make the proper adjustments. Remember the sailors on the ship headed to Rome. They were doing things that were necessary to survive. Acts 27, verse 17, it says, The sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. In verse 18, it says, As gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. And then the following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. They were making adjustments that they thought were going to help them. 
They bound ropes around the hull of the ship. Why? Because they were trying to strengthen the core of the ship. What are you doing to strengthen your spiritual core? What actions are we taking to strengthen uh, ourselves in the midst of the storm? Now notice what else the sailors did. They began to throw cargo overboard. And it says then they even threw the ship's gear overboard. It's imperative to ask the question, what is the extra weight that we're carrying around that needs to be gotten rid of? What can you throw overboard to lighten the ship? Earlier we asked questions and they bear repeating. What is the extra weight we need to get rid of in order to survive the storm of life? Realizing I'm not talking about pounds, I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things that are holding you down, things that are holding you back. What's the weight weighing you down? What is the baggage you need to release in your life? What unhealthy relationships do you need to turn loose of? Paul writing to the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Listen to what he says, but now is the time to get rid of anger. Now, not tomorrow, not next week, not six months from now. Now, immediately, at this moment, you have today, church. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. But I believe God's preparing you for something. I believe God's getting you ready for a new season. I believe God's getting you ready for a new level. So it's imperative that we get rid of the baggage that's holding us down. And you know what anger will do? Anger will hold you down. Anger will turn to rage. Malicious behavior will destroy you. Slander, talking about people, assassinating others just to make ourselves look better. Can I tell you, that's going to keep you from God's best. That's going to keep you shipwrecked in your life. It's imperative that we get rid of things that's going to hold us back. Then he says, listen, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Take off that old man. Get rid of that weight. Get rid of that baggage. And then clothe yourself with that new nature. It's the nature of the new life. Be conformed to the image of Jesus. And you begin to know him more and more. Write this under C, write, write, lean in to what God may be doing. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, just lean in a little bit. It's imperative you lean in to the activity of God in your life. You know, sometimes we become stiff. Sometimes the Old Testament used the word stiff-necked. You resist it. And when you resist something, church, ain't nobody going to help you. Ain't nobody. Listen, you may be drowning, but if you stiffen, guess what? People can't help you. You know, I, I was told the 830 service, my mom, she's 84 years old, never has learned to swim. But we had a swimming pool when I was a kid. And we love for mama to get in there because we want to teach mom how to swim. <laughs> but we couldn't teach mom how to swim because every time she got into the water, guess what? She stiffened up. 
I mean, she's stiffened up, and, and my mama's not very strong. She's always been kind of frail, but when she got in the water, she became strong as an ox and heavy like a brick. I hope she's not watching live stream today. Sometimes we don't lean in to the activity of God. Sometimes we stiffen and then it prolongs the blessings in our life. It's imperative that we learn to lean in to the activity of God, of what God is doing. Lean in by being disciplined. Run to win. Run your life to win. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Discipline, lean in. Guess what? Run with purpose. Run with purpose, not aimlessly. Discipline your body like an athlete. Train your body to do what it should. You've been created to worship God. You've been created to pursue the presence of God. You've been created to have fellowship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Don't let your old man rule you. Don't let your old man hold you back. Hear me. Declare today, I'm going to make my body do what it's declared and purposed for. And my body is declared and purposed to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I'm going to discipline my body to do what it's created to do. Which brings us to our second point, to run with endurance. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance, endurance, the race God has set before us. It's time to take off the weight. Strip off every weight. Kenneth Woost, theologian, writes this. The recipients are exhorted to lay aside every weight. The word is akgan. means bulk. It means mass. It means a swelling of flesh. The illusion here, therefore, is to the training period in preparation to a race in which encumbering amounts of flesh is reduced through discipline. Expositors writes this, the Christian runner must rid himself even of innocent things which might slow him down. All that does not help and all that hinders Expositor says this, it is by running that he learns what these things are. So long as he stands, he does not feel that they are burdensome and hampering. You all know what the dangers of being like me, a little bit overweight and out of shape? It doesn't seem to matter. 
when everything's normal. But when you got to run, guess what happens? This old fat boy gets tired. <laughs> Monday night softball. I ain't played in 12 years, but in my mind, I'm just as good as I was 12 years ago. <laughs> but guess what? I'm not. I'm pitching one of the easiest positions on the field. I'm pitching. And guess what? After the first inning, I'm out there going, <gasps> why? Because what seems to be normal actually when I'm in the race becomes the hindrance. The challenge, spiritually speaking, is this. We come accustomed to the way we are. But the moment we get in the storm, it becomes weight to us. It becomes heavy to us. It begins to weigh us down. It begins to hold us back. But what is God wanting to do? God's wanting to develop endurance in you. It's time to strip off those things that are not, that are not profitable in your life. What a powerful statement from the expositor. It says, it is by running that he learns what these things are. Some things you can't discover until you're in the storm and you're running. There's some things you can't discover that are weights to you until you're in the process of being refined. But when you're in the process, the Holy Spirit begins to identify that attitude, that motive, that critical spirit. You've had it for years. It served your well up to now. But if you want to get to the new level, then you got to let go of it. You got to get rid of it. Is there anybody here today who will say, Lord, take it off. I'll get rid of it. The goal is endurance. To develop stamina. Steadfast endurance is power to withstand hardship or stress, especially the inward fortitude that's necessary to cause you to survive the storm. The inward fortitude necessary to cause you to survive the storm. How do you build endurance? I had to look it up, church. I found an article on how to build endurance. It says five trainer-approved ways to build your endurance from working out physical. But there's some spiritual lessons to learn here. You can grab them and run with them. The trainer said this, number one, add intervals. It says too often endurance is sacrifice for simple heavy strength training or steady State cardio. Just doing the simple things is not going to build endurance. You got to add some sprints, if you would. There's moments when you got to go all for, give it everything you got, and then you got to have proper rest. Being well rested allows your body to work longer and harder simultaneously. There is a rest to the people of God. You may be walking through it, but you're at rest. Guess what? Number three, I, hold, I know a whole lot about this. Eat a, 
a balanced diet. Let me tell you what a great balanced diet is in chicken wings and celery sticks. <laughs> That's a well-balanced diet, church. Come on, somebody. Woo! I told you I had to look this stuff up. I thought this was really good. Don't, don't stick to a routine. Listen to what the article said. Routine is endurance's number one enemy. Instead of growing comfortable with a specific workout like strength training, change things up a little bit. Change your workouts and intervals to consistently challenge your body in new ways. Consistently challenge your body to new ways. That's in physical training, church. But sometimes, spiritually, just going through the same routine over and over, it becomes formality to us, and then we, we, we miss the freshness of it. Sometimes you got to change some things up. Sometimes you got to say, today I'm going into worship. Today I'm not just going to raise my hand. I'm going to stop my foot a little bit. Today I'm not just going to jump a little bit. I'm going to step up from where I are. I'm not just going to sit down. I'm going to stand up and go to the front. Change it up a little bit. Why? Because the routine will get you stuck. The fifth thing, write this, keep an open mind. Fitness endurance pushes you beyond your known limits. Keep an open mind. That storm is not destroying you, it's stretching you. Did you hear me? That storm is not destroying you, it's stretching you. Quit saying, I'm going to die. Quit saying I'm not going to make it. Quit speaking negativity over your life and just simply say, Lord, you're stretching me. Lord, you're preparing me. Lord, you're developing endurance in me. God, you're doing something in me because there's a new season for me. You're getting me ready for my next blessing. You're getting me ready for my next season. You're getting me ready for my next level. God is working and moving in you. Write this under D. Write, add things which don't weigh you down. Now we jump back to the spiritual Add things that don't weigh you down. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, In view of all of this, make every effort to respond, to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Moral excellence with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance. Patient endurance with godliness. Can I tell you, conformity to Jesus Christ will never harm you. The conformity to Jesus Christ will never weigh you down. Conformity to Jesus Christ will not restrain you. We've bought into the lie of Satan. We've bought into the lie of darkness. If I become more like Jesus, I'm going to miss out. If I become more like Jesus, I'm not going to have any fun. If I become more like Jesus, then people are going to think I'm strange. I'm going to dry up like a prune and I'm going to be unhappy. I'm here to tell you the character of Jesus will liberate you. It will empower you. It will not weigh you down, but you're sore. It's God's intended purpose brings us to our third point. Where are you focusing your eyes? Hebrews 1 
Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who perfects, initiates and perfects our faith. Keep your eyes on Christ. Consider what he went through. You'll notice in this passage, there's three things he went through. He endured the cross. He endured the cross to seize the wonderful joy set before him. Can I remind you the path to victory leads through the cross? The path of victorious joy leads through the cross. Quit running away from the cross. Run to the cross. Jesus, he disregarded its shame. He recognized the humiliation, the shame of the cross. But these threats were of no consequence to him as he considered the coming glory. He died a common criminal's death. He died a capital punishment of the day, the humiliation of the cross, but he did it with his eyes set forth on the joy and the coming glory. Then he's seated in the place of honor at God's right hand. Notice this, from pain and agony of the cross, God exalted Jesus to a position of a throne. Now hear me. Church, there may be some things you have to endure. There may be some things you have to walk through. But keep your eyes on the joy of heaven. The path to victory will lead you to the path to the cross. But don't worry about the shame. Don't worry about the reproach you bear today. For one day you shall receive a crown of righteousness. What I'm trying to tell you is endure. What I'm trying to tell you is run with patience. Strip off every sin. Strip off every weight because God's preparing you for your next position. God exalted the sun. God is using the storm to propel you into a position of greater influence. God is about to use the storm to propel you to a position of greater anointing, of greater capacity, of greater influence. You just got to endure. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus and you got to run with patience because God's preparing you for something bigger. Write this under B. Quit looking at others. Quit comparing your life with somebody else. It's not fair, God. I got to go through what I'm going through. Look at brother so-and-so. Look at sister so-and-so. Well, first of all, let me tell you, you don't know what they've been through. Stop comparisons. We like to compare ourselves to others. When we do, one of two things will happen. You'll always come up short. Or either the other extreme, you'll think too much of yourself. You either come up short or you compare yourself with others to justify the wrong you're doing. Stop looking at the inconsistencies of others. We use as a crutch. We look at the inconsistencies of others. Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. 
Give me a hypocrite who's going to come to church and sit there and hear the word of God. And I promise you over a period of time, the Holy Spirit dealing with them, the Holy Spirit correcting them in a healthy church where there's healthy leadership and bringing chastisement when chastisement needs to happen. I promise you they'll move from a hypocrite and they'll move to a child of the living God. Why? Because God loves you too much to allow you to remain the way you are. You need people in your life who's going to speak correction. You need people in your life who's going to speak over you. You need people in your life who you can trust and you know they got your, your best interest in mind and they're anointed of God and allow them to speak into your life. Why? Because God's going to use him to prepare you for a new season in your life. Woo! Oh, but we like the preacher. We like preaching. We like it when he's talking to somebody else. But he starts talking to me, and we're like, oh, let me get my toes. <laughs> Write this, the last fill in the blank, focus. Musicians, will you come? The goal is to build endurance. And you got to stay focused on Jesus and his word. What I love about Hebrews 12 Remember, chapters and verses were added later for you and I to help us to study the word, help us to do cross-references. But it's like a letter where we often bring a break. We sometimes think it's a total new thing. But chapter 12 flows out of chapter 11, that chapter of faith by Enoch. By faith, Enoch believed God. And he was taken by faith, Abraham refused to be called a child of Pharaoh. By faith, he'd rather suffer the afflictions with the people of God than enjoy the riches of Egypt for a season. By faith, Abraham believed when it was all impossible. When his body was yet dead and Sarah's womb was yet closed, yet Abraham believed what God has said. You begin to read chapter 11. You begin to hear what faith, what faith does. Mountains were moved. Miracles were attained. Great things were accomplished. Why? Because they believed. Let me read just a portion of chapter 11. Verse 32. What, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith. The faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson, Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. How? By faith. By staying focused on the promise. By staying focused on their God. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. And it's this type of faith that you're surrounded with. It's this type of faith that reminds you Strip off every sin. Strip off every weight that holds you down. Because there's a 
crowd of witnesses. There's a cloud in heaven and they're peering over the side. And church, it's by faith that you survive the storm. It's by faith you accomplish the purposes of God. It's by faith that you let go of the things you can see and you lay hold of the things you cannot. It's by faith that God is building character in you. And that storm was sent not to destroy you, but to build you up. It's by faith that you recognize God has a purpose in the storm, that God has a destiny, and there's promotion in your future. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the shame of the cross. It was the most humiliating way a person could die in the first century. He was, he was numbered among the transgressors. He was called a thief, a blasphemer, but he knew God was doing something and his eyes were focused on the eternal reward. Is there anybody here today who'll say, I'll walk through the storm because my eyes are focused on the eternal realities. I'll walk through the hardship. It's not gonna destroy me, it'll refine me, it'll change me, it'll empower me. It's not gonna destroy me, it's gonna propel me to a new season, to a new season to a new level. Father, God, as we stand all across this auditorium, God, as we stand today, I pray, I pray, God, if there are things in our life that we need to throw overboard, there's some things in our life we need to get rid of, I pray that you'd help us right now as they begin to sing and worship. If there's some things in your life, you'll say, I want to turn loose some. I want to let go because I know God's building endurance in me. I know God's preparing me. I know God's getting me ready. If you'll say yes, I want you to begin.